Hello everyone and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. We're doing this recording in the yoga room today with all the the curtains closed because this is the hottest day of the year. So we've been out for an early morning walk to avoid the heat and now we're just chilling inside. So today's podcast is not full of unicorns and roses and rainbows and sunlit uplands by any means Why not? dear listeners <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair <laughs> so um but bear with us because it's really important that everybody knows this and we're going to try and push this podcast far and wide if we can so at the moment it would seem that most of the mainstream media and unfortunately a lot of the alternative media is highly distracted by the leadership race of the Tory party at the moment, which is seems like a little bit of a waste of time, to be honest, because it's just going to be somebody who's just as bad, if not worse, than Johnson was. And there are, uh, behind this smokescreen and the drama and the televised um, uh, question and answer session with these <laughs> people, is there's a very... The tide of darkness rolling in and under the name of charter cities these are going to be privately run cities in the uk and the bidding for these to the cities to literally be sold to corporations is going on right now i'm going to read you an excerpt about what these are by uh, i'm going to read you an excerpt from an article by Cormac Lawson about what this idea is, uh, which was written on July the 2nd from the medium.com site. So it's not the only source by any means, but he just uh, describes it really nice and neatly. So he says, what are charter cities? Exactly what the name suggests, privately owned and operated cities where everything from healthcare education and the police force and the judicial system are ring-fenced from the host country becoming a privately operated fiefdom. All these institutions and more are up all these institutions and more are operated by a private company that is accountable to nobody else. It goes on to say, there will be no public services to speak of and everyone must abide by the laws set out by the corporate owners or face the punishments that they also define. So, not a lot of fun in this idea at all. I don't think it will be a nice place for anyone who has the misfortune of being in one of these cities to live and work and raise their families. But this finally answers a few questions that we've been having. For quite a while, we've been looking at what the Tories are doing. Say, for instance, the kind of manner that they've executed Brexit, plunging millions into poverty, misery and a very reduced standard of living and you're looking at what they're doing and you you just can't really work out 
what, what, why are they doing that? Because it would seem that these actions are not really going to be a vote winner. Um, so why, why are they doing these things? We, we often have conversations. Is this just pure incompetence or is there some master plan underneath it all? And I think the, uh, the Charter Cities are indeed the master plan and the whole reason for Brexit. Because once everything is deregulated, they are free to implement this complete dystopia. So we finally located an actual Brexit benefit, not for us, of course, <laughs> but for the, uh, the all the rich corporations. That's who we're going to be getting the Brexit benefits. And so let's uh, let's talk a bit more about that. Well, yes, uh, Brexit benefits indeed. The Sunley Tuplands are now they're finally here. <laughs> they're within they're within view. And this is a question we've addressed really lots lots of times and. Uh, we, we've noted that there's a basically a kind of a disaster capitalism scenario being orchestrated in, in the UK with Brexit at, at its centre. And the internal squabbles within the, the Tory party have been, you will notice, since 2016, about just how, how far to take the Brexit. So we've got a hard Brexit, a soft Brexit. Now, the, the electorate were promised, even by uh, such a... A europhobe as Nigel Farage, but the way to go forward be like similar to Norway, you know, to, uh, and to have a single market and probably customs union. So we maintain all the nice frictionless trade and the and the um, the ability to go go on holiday without flashing your passport and standing in hot hot sweaty queues for hours and hours. All of that 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 could be kind of kept intact. Uh, plus that there would be no problem caused by the Irish. Situation between the fact that the the six counties of Northern Ireland uh, are a part of the United Kingdom, politically speaking, and that the Republic of Ireland is just that a republic, which is a, a very enthusiastic player in the uh, the economic union of Europe, in the European Union. And you say, well, well, we, they tell us what the answer is. The answer is to, is to get the, 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 the get any kind of EU regulations out of the way, so that they can have this kind of low low regulation, low tax economy, uh, which they call Singapore on Thames as, as a shorthand, and they uh, and they made a big fuss about free ports. Yeah. And actually, free ports have been tried in the UK. There was problems with money laundering and corruption and blah, blah, blah. And they, and they were folded. They went for a few years and they folded. Well, the Tories folded them up themselves, they didn't them up, they? Yeah. They didn't, but they were, didn't work. But they yeah. were, well, they didn't like them. They were bound by EU legislation. Now that we're out of the EU, they can have another go. Actually, Freeports was a euphemism for charter cities. Now, the idea of charter cities, I think we need to have a little, a little succinct bit of the history. And... And... We need to understand what the people who are pushing this idea think they're doing. So I'm going to do a little section here, not too long. I'm going to try and keep it nice and tight uh, that, that addresses those problems. What are they up to? What do they think they're up to? Uh, and uh, what's kind of behind this idea? Now, the idea was originally floated by Professor Roma, Professor Paul Roma who's a Nobel laureate, economics, 
who's kind of given over his career, really, to pushing this idea and trying to make it actually happen. Uh, professor Romer, interestingly, was the professor at Stanford University in California at the time when Rishi Sunak was an economics student at Stanford University. What a coincidence. In California. And he, he described Professor Paul Romer as brilliant and inspiring. And it's, it's, he's been pushing this idea for some time. But the original idea is a little bit different from what is now being pro proposed for the UK. And the original idea was that this was something that would be done in, in the developing world. So Africa, say some parts of Africa, where there is already a tendency to urbanisation. People in the countryside are looking for work and moving into cities. And, and you get the phenomenon of like shanty towns around cities and things like that. And uh, this, was, this was the problem that, that Rama believed he was, he was addressing. And he thought that uh, what, what should happen is that a city should be designated a charter city or an economic free zone or a, a zone of employment and economic regulation and blah, blah, blah. They've got various names for these things, but they all come under charter city. So it would be a city, it would be an area, and the city would be floated free from the... From the house government, from the government of the country, say this happened in Zambia, the Zambian government would give over the sovereignty of the city to a third party. The third party would be a corporation. A corporation. A capitalist corporation owned by hedge funds and asset management companies. And I can tell some of you are starting to hyperventilate already, but, you know, stay calm and keep <laughs> listening. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Stay strong. Yeah. So, so the idea, the idea is that then that there's this, there's, there's this, this setup, and that the, the big, the big idea was that, the actual, whatever little bit of regulation that you'd got, and the only thing you're going to have to have some kind of law kind of stuff. You know, somebody robs a bank, you're going to want them sort of locked away. Or if somebody's, you know, mass murdering in some suburb of the city, you, you want to... You know. So there's going to be like some, some kind of policing, some kind of judiciary. Even though it's minimum regulation, it's not going to be a Mad Max zone of, of uh, complete licence. And the, the proposal is that a third country, a first world country, will do that. They'll be contracted to come and do the, the, the police judiciary. Da, 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 da. And... Uh, as one as one as one kind of right wing web website says, and it's the Taxpayers Alliance website. They say sounds a bit like the British Empire, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, and they're they're, they're saying Empire it, Mark Two. They're kind of saying it without without irony. Oh, you, you know, and um, yeah, I suppose in their minds that that's a good thing because that the British Empire bought 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 uh, bought civilization to the dark continent oh, and yeah. the and the fuzzy the fuzzy wuzzies were, were raised up by the superior wisdom of the white man you ha, know ha, ha. So, yeah. so i mean it's probably who knows i don't want to attribute those kind of beliefs to them particularly but that's that's what you hear when they when they when they kind of non-ironically say that it's a bit like the british empire it's just disgusting yeah, yeah. so that was the original idea but uh, then some bright spark comes along and says, why don't we just do it in Britain? 
But first, we have to trash Britain so it's as poor as we need it to be and people are really, yeah. really desperate yeah. and then we can make it work. Yeah, well, it, 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 it's sort of quite difficult for it to work if there is no incentive for anybody to stay in such a city. To be a slave. To be a slave or to move <laughs> to such a city unless it's, com- it's competitive with what's outside the city. Right? So yeah. that is the explanation for reducing the country to rubble. You know, and that is why the, the, the hardest Brexit possible was pursued by the ERG, the far-right group, you know, that has got the most connections with this, with um, the, 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 the complex and uh, the, 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 the network of institutions and billionaires and pseudo-think tanks and pseudo-charities around the world, which I call the Right International, as coordinated by Steve Bannon. You know, he was the guy that was uh, Trump's first advisor, you know, who eventually got into trouble, went to jail, and Trump pardoned him as he was coming to the end of his presidency to get him out of jail, Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon was also the mediator who introduced Cambridge Analytica, um, Alexander Nix, uh, to... Uh, Robert Robert and Rebecca Mercer, you know, uh, uh, it, it was like a Silicon Valley um, billionaire to fund Cambridge Analytica, which was then recruited by Vout Leave to ensure the um, the referendum went their way. That the referendum went their way, yeah, yeah. Yeah, You know, I mean, whether they actually kind of got round to actually doing anything or not, but those methods were certainly employed, and I'm pretty sure they were employed in the 2019 uh, election as oh, well. Yeah, and we know that they were employed in the election of Trump. And we know that they were employed around the world in, in one way or another. Nasty, nasty business. So, so there's one of the points I want to make make here is that there is there is a right international a global network uh, with oodles and oodles of billionaire money coming from the Cokes, Coke Industries, and coming from from the Mercers. And if you go over our podcast, you can get a fair bit of chapter and verse on that. And I'm I'm not going to go too deeply into that, other than to mention it. And you don't need to be a conspiracy theorist or anything like all of this stuff's in the public domain. You go to companies' house, you know, you go to the Charities Commission and you, and you look at well-documented well and verifiable data which shows you that this, this right international is a thing and don't think that it isn't. It really, it really isn't. It's immensely fucking powerful. So that's the, that is the situation. So their idea is they could introduce it here, you know. To, but for that, we do need an internal third world. Otherwise, it makes no sense, does it? No. You know. But it's um, Rishi Sunak, in his autumn budget, announced the creation of eight new ones in the UK, along uh, which will be the Humber Freeport, with tax sites east of the Port of Hull at Goole and North Killingholm. Now, this I'm getting that information from a, a recent article by Anne Moody... Uh, on the 9th of June, in, in York, Yorkshire Byline Times. She's bought the Yorkshire branch of Byline Times, and uh, she put this, this thing off, uh, this account of um, of the Charter City's proposals. And as, as, as she indicates, you know, this is sort of fairly live. Now, you'll notice that Rishi Sunak 
is is one of the candidates in the Tory election campaign. He was the Chancellor of the Exchequer. He resigned, which precipitated the the, the demise of Boris Johnson. And uh, he's now standing to become the Prime Minister. So he's a guy who's really backing back in this and to say he's a student of the originator of the idea you know just professor roma so it, it does seem that it is live now one of the questions that we've got is quite how live quite how far has it gone who's agreed to what are there any companies come forward to to to, to be to be the the oligarchs the 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 uh, feudal lord in these the, the these cities and that is something that we'll 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 come back to and do a part two. That's that's much more concrete than than this, you know. What's down in the nitty gritty? Yeah, what's it actually takes happened? Quite a bit of digging to get yeah, and how far have they got, and what can we do do about it? Mm. And uh, I would say that the the context is changing. That these this idea these ideas were were dreamed up and prosecuted, and are now actively being worked on as practical plans. At a time. When there was absolutely no opposition, hardly, to the, the international right. They're left too fragmented, too routed, too discouraged, defeated too many times, you know, and and um, and defeated by, by, by such phenomena, phenomena as Boris Johnson and, and, and Donald Trump, you know. And... But now, now we see uh, internationally, uh, particularly in the US and and in the UK, obviously close to home, a, a, a resurgence, which looks to me as though it's going to carry on, and which is going to have a considerable amount of energy behind it of, of the the Labour movement broadly, not the Labour Party, not the not the kind of Labour friendly wing of the Democrat Party, but Labour itself, you know. And of course, we're we 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 all had had uh, little moments of delight when we see Mick, Mick Lynch like decapitating the fucking <laughs> right-wing arseholes in our mainstream media. Yeah. So that's, 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 that's what it is. What I want to do now is just tell you very briefly what uh, the Charter Cities movement thinks that they're doing, how they, how they look at it. Now, there's a website called chartercitiesinstitute.org and you can find it you know, on the internet pretty easily. So there's, a, there's an institute given over to this thing. It describes itself as a not-profit. It's got quite a large staff. It takes its inspiration from, from uh, Professor uh, Roma, the, you know, the, the economist who dreamed up this nonsense. So this is what they say, and this is a direct quote here. A charter city is a new city granted special jurisdiction to create a new governance system and enact policy reforms. Now, it's very interesting what, uh, what, what they say the benefits of that will be. Uh, bear in mind that this, the, the, this is the kind of slightly previous version of charter cities, you know, that they're going to do in Africa and Honduras and, the, uh, and, and so on. Charter cities can help improve governance in a limited geographic area by giving local officials authority to implement best legal and administrative practices and commercial regulations. This can help create a competitive business environment that attracts investment and accelerates economic growth in developing countries to help them to achieve prosperity faster than ever before. I'm going to carry on with a little bit more from these guys. 
Governance is a key determinant of a country's economic trajectory. Unfortunately, I emphasise this bit, unfortunately, politics often prevents needed reforms from being implemented at the national level. Because charter cities cover limited geographic areas, their administrations can pursue deeper reforms that would otherwise, that would, than, than would otherwise be possible. In other words, this is me talking now, that's the quote from the Chartered Cities Institute. In other words, they just want to like remove politics from the scene. In other words, this, they say this is a way to, to, to bypass the pesky grassroots who might have some desires and demands. and yeah, some like, and democracy. And <laughs> democracy. You know, <laughs> yes. demo democracy is a nuisance. Now, the, the thing is, that the yeah. democracy was always a nuisance for these people. This is clearly a, yeah. a neoliberal, far-right um, uh, project. And we know, we know that... Um, the, the, the players in this movement are, 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 are all plugged in one way or the other into the Hayek, Buchanan, Friedman, uh, the, theoretical nexus, can I call it that? And all of these people are anti-democratic. I mean, Buchanan like, was really kind of a bit of a founding father of, of the movement to, to capture all the economics departments in the world for, for this idea. I mean, he hated democracy because that was the way in which collectivities, like unions or black people, got together. This is the thing that they hate. They hate people getting together to make things happen. The That's hating. why we've got so much culture war going on at the moment. Uh, well, it's what the culture war is to set us fighting each other, so we won't yeah. organise into a monolithic force. Yeah. And uh, Buchanan hated the civil rights movement because he thought he thought that they they persuade the government to use its power, its legislative power, to moderate the activities of of single. Rich capitalists who want the freedom. This is why they're libertarians. They want the liberty to exploit everybody else. And the thing that's standing in the way is the fact that we might democratically organise ourselves into unions, use the power that we get because we are organised and, and in solidarity with each other, to force the government into stopping these arseholes from trashing our lives. Buchanan was very plain about that. Even to the point he's had this kind of racist overture. I mean, the, the, uh, another proponent, Mrs. Thatcher's, one of Mrs. Thatcher's favourites and Ronald Reagan's favourites, Milton Friedman, actually went to uh, Chile after the overthrow of the IND government, the elected, democratically elected left wing, leftish wing IND government, was overthrown by the CIA. And uh, Friedman and his the Chicago boys went 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 to to, to Chile to re reconstruct the economy along neoliberal lines along these kind of lines which the people have no say. Augusto Pinochet, who became the dictator of Chile, was was a, was a brutal fella, uh, and all opponents were liquidated when they were thrown out of aeroplane. They were disappeared. They were just spirited away at night, killed and buried in the in, in the fucking desert or whatever, you know. People disappeared. Absolute tragedy. The 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 um the Chicago boys rejigged the economy along these neoliberal lines and it kinda of crashed a few years later anyway.
But, but this was their experimental testing ground, you know. This is... D don't think that there's something kind of benign going on here, because there isn't. This is, this, this is murderous. When it needs to be, it will be. But although they do see themselves as the heroes of the story, but don't they? But they see themselves as the heroes. And this yeah. is, this is uh, again, coming back to the, Ch the Charter Cities Institute. Let, 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 listen to what they think they're going to do. This is the direct quote. We believe that charter cities have the potential to lift tens of millions of people out of poverty. Remember, this, this original conception is a third world thing. And they do cite Shenzhen, Hong Kong, Singapore and Dubai as, as places you know, which inspire, which are sort of along these lines, which inspire the idea. But, I mean, you look, you look into, the, in, into some of the... Uh, ab abuses of workers, workers' right, natural rights in in these places, and you'll think, well, it's not so fucking great. I mean, they did, they they did rise up in impoverished um, populations, but it took three generations in the case of Shenzhen or something like that. They say it's rapid, you know, it's it's not that rapid, mm. you know. And there's an enormous price that is paid for that, and it's paid by workers. And, and I'm paid by migrant workers very often, you know. Yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing here, you know, is is that you've got this amazing disregard for d democracy or grassroots, and 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 as a part and parcel of that is, is the way of, is the way in which ordinary people, the people who will actually do the work, that will create the wealth for the corporations that are going to be in charge. Are treated just like so many, so many hands. This was the term the Victorian capitalists used. They didn't call them workers, i.e., real people doing work, but hands, abstracting. The only part of them that counts is the hands, the stuff that does operates the machinery, that puts the thread through the through the loom. You know, hands. Real people, they were hands. Now they're just like units of labour power. You know, you were just you're just a figure on the spreadsheet. That is what is most disgusting about this. I think is that. Is that treatment of people as, as things, as objects, you know, disposable objects, mm -hmm. and that—that uh, that is something to bring out and be aware of, in in all of this. So, there's a way in which all of this again is it's it you know this this promise they put this in big big sort of dark letters on this site you know it's standing alone. We believe that charter cities have the potential to lift tens of million people out of poverty. They're selling it to the world as the cure for poverty. Mm. It's actually a dystopian nightmare, what they're proposing. Now, I'm going to just quote again here, and, and I think we can kind of reveal another philosophical contradiction. This is a quote. Charter cities can improve governance by giving local officials authority to implement reforms, laying the foundation for economic success. This will create a competitive business environment, attract investment, foster entrepreneurship and create more jobs, manage rapid urbanisation, improve infrastructure and accelerate economic growth in developing countries and therefore improve the livelihood of re residents. Now, I would say, what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that? That is, apart from the disregard for the humanity of workers, apart from the disregard for de democracy and, and grassroots uh, p political aspiration, 
utterly removing it as an inconvenience, apart from that, this is a variation of the trickle-down theory, isn't it? All boats are, you know, the tide comes in, all boats rise. Not true. Or, you know, you let somebody get stinking rich and then the money they then trickles down to us. We actually know objectively that this idea is thoroughly discredited. Absolutely. The world... failed over and over again. The world yeah. system. Well, it, yeah. it was... They always knew it was going to fail because that is just the story they're telling us. That is the story they're telling, for the, the public-facing story they're telling to quieten us down. The truth is, it's a trickle-up system. Even since, just since COVID, British billionaires have netted billions and billions, getting up towards a trillion pounds, wealthier. And the rest of us are having our electricity bills doubled and trebled and our food bills going up 50%. You know, I actually got our electric bill this morning. I went white, you know. Oh. You know, it, it, it's, it's, I'm a pensioner. It's, I went white and... And I'm probably relatively better. I know there's people out there who are going from hand to mouth, you know, and not making it. And this is global. This is global. It's happening globally. And they call it a, it's a trickle-down system. We let them do this in the hope that, that some of the money that they spend or their charitable or their big-heartedness, you know, that one day they'll get some compassion and they'll, they'll start doing projects that benefit everybody. These are the pro This is where they, they want to put their big money. Into these slave slave societies, virtually, they, these are actually the serf societies. These medieval fiefdoms, you know, is what is what is being proposed. But they paint it in this in this light, you know. And and Roma, Paul, Professor Roma, Professor Paul Ramos, it's quite kind of messianic about it. And I think he gave up his professorship in order to push it. And he had a go in on Juras. The first one he tried was in Madagascar, and that went that went pear shaped. It didn't materialise, but by the time it had gone pear shaped, they'd already sold up a big chunk of the country's agricultural land to Daiwu, which is a kind of automotive mega corporation. You know, they now own half the farmland in thing because this this process was set in motion, but it, it, it fizzled out uh, in in Honduras. They, they got it passed. There was there was a president that was very enthusiastic, and they were gonna they were gonna they started work on one of these things, but then the, the Honduras Supreme Court threw it out as unconstitutional. Right? You might wonder why why Boris Johnson and and the Tories in general are coming for the UK Supreme Court because they don't want it doing what this Honduran Supreme Court did or any kind of Supreme Court did, right? Anyway, what what happened was that uh, another president, I don't know whether it was the same president or something. Anyway, it started again, and they they ignored the Supreme Court, and and um, and then there was another president after him, and he was again. They they said, "Oh fuck the Supreme Court, we're going to do it," and uh, they both got sent to jail for for being drug kingpins. <laughs> <laughs> And the people, the people voted in a uh, a left wing president who threw it all out right, right, rightfully. So it's you, you can see from that when they do actually try and do it, it's not, it's not going to get an easy political ride. Mm. But the Tories have been been preparing for ages for it to have an easy political ride over it in this this new form where we will just do it in one country, you know. Yeah. 
but we've got to create the right level of poverty for it to work well, and then yeah. and and brexit of course yeah. was necessary for the plan yeah well it, it, you know it is it is it, it's disaster capitalism and you knew they'd look for some means of then exploiting the immiseration and the chaos and we were never quite sure quite how they'd do that we knew they'd got this singapore on terms but this is the actual concrete plan mm. of what to do with the chaos but but i would say that the chaos the wrecking of the economy, the wrecking of of, of the of, of, of of the best parts of our political culture, and there ain't many good parts, but they're wrecking them. You can see that it's the it's the pave the way for this mega exploitation to, to, to go on. I mean, this is proposed for eight sites in the uh, in the UK. Um, I think I'll just mention mention them because you might live in one of these places they're mentioned in the medium article actually uh, east midlands airport some areas in derby nottingham leicester felixstowe harwich umberhull liverpool some parts of liverpool that's going to go down well yeah i mean the scout the scousers are going to be really pleased with that aren't they plymouth solent plymouth solent london dagenham in london teesside etc and these sites will be 45 square kilometres and in, in, in densely populated areas. I think that's enough to house a couple of million people. Uh, and the plans include security and governments, of course, you know. But uh, the only appraisal, the only appraisal that the government will assist on uh, of, of the projects is, is, is on the basis of their profitability. Nothing else is considered. Their profitability. And there's all kinds of there's all kinds of money coming into this. Peter Thiel is bunging money at it. He backed Trump. He was the guy who founded PayPal with Elon Musk. Great idea, but it doesn't change the fact that he's a, he's, a, he's one of these billionaire uh, unpleasant people who we don't like. Your honour. There's all that all that is actually going on, and it seems as though it's a foot. Now I want to just sort of mention one other bunch who are pro pro this scenario and that's the taxpayers alliance this is quite old actually this is two, this is 2010 so we're looking at 12 years ago but, but if you look on the taxpayers alliance website taxpayersalliance.com there is a, a page devoted to charter cities and that they are absolutely creaming their knickers over, over this I mean, the, the head guy of this, is, or the guy who started this, was a, a character called uh, uh, Matthew Elliott, who was, I don't know, he was in charge of Vote Leave. Um, and if you follow him through, he's got all the, all the, all the far-right connections, all the far-right connections, you know? Um, Tuft, all the Tufton Street stuff. Uh, as I say, he was, he was very, very instrumental in, in Vote Leave which was challenged as to the legality of its funding, and I'm not quite sure how that's panned out, but it was, it was a pretty nasty sort of operation. And for them, they're, they're describing a utopia. Their utopia is the Charter City. And this is what they, in 2010, were, on their website, were, were proposing, and how utopian it is in their minds, in their adult minds. I'm quoting, suppose it became our own version of a charter city. Minimum wage and working hours regulation abolished. Social benefits for working age citizens 
abolished. Brackets. Maybe a five-year phased withdrawal. <laughs> Central government economic and planning and regulations abolished. No more central government development assistance, but a 10% flat rate income tax, a 10% corporation tax rate, and no capital gains tax. So no tax for the rich there, pretty much. No. Yeah. But this is how they carry on. Public spending as a percentage of GDP would obviously fall sharply, and those that depend on public spending would certainly feel the squeeze. Brackets. Although welfare recipients would be given options for staying on benefit if they relocated outside the city. So, so in other they're words, they're just going to toss them out. You got to relocate outside. Imagine that. Imagine your family's lived there for three generations. You're in your house. You're, you're, yeah, you, you're, you can't work got, anymore, so you're out on your got, own, mate. You've got yeah. all. You've got all. You've got all. All your relatives and your networks and your, your social commitments and everything in in the place, but gonna, this this reinforces the point that the mentality behind all this is one which treats you as an ordinary citizen, as a working person or a working class person or a working age person or a student or whatever, as just as just a number on the spreadsheet to be disposed of. You are a disposable unit of labour. You are a disposable unit which will enable the already mega-rich to consolidate their wealth and therefore their power. You see, well, this is power. It's all about power, isn't it, you know, as well? Yeah. The concentration like of power is absolutely... Got all the powers. Like, how much it's more do bit, they need? It's a bit abysmal, <laughs> you know. But remember, there's no unions in, in any of this. You can't, you're not allowed to organise a union. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sure that would be illegal. Yeah. Anyway, they go on. But against that, Hull... Which they describe, you know, all as it was in 2010, as this kind of like, as this like this this post-apocalyptic wasteland, uh, uh, and, and 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 it has been, and mainly because their their great heroine Margaret Thatcher, trashed trashed the actual real capitalist economy. You know, it, 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 she trashed manufacturing and let it go, let it go to China and Southeast Asia and all the rest of it. You know. She trashed it, but in, in their mind, it's just something that happened. It just fell out the sky. No, it was trashed in the name of Milton Friedman and Friedrich Hayek and their ideas and Mrs Thatcher's disposal of them and determination with a big political majority to, to make them actual in the world. So Hull was reduced to a post-apocalyptic wasteland, you know, paving the way for this idea, you know. So let's 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 hear what they say. You know, against that, Hull would attract entrepreneurs and private investment on an unprecedented scale, and with its easy European access, much of the inflow would come from overseas. There would soon be jobs for all. This is the fantasy again of of of, of the invisible hand, which is magical thinking. You know, the market does not automatically adjust itself in the way that Adam Smith. Well, Adam Smith was was a very smart man, you know, but the way in which people have run with this idea, imagine, it doesn't work. It is now discredited, as is trickle-down, which is another part of the same idea. You know, the price is this authoritarian uh, neo-feudal nightmare. And Yanis Varoufakis is completely correct. We're moving towards a kind of a neo-feudalism, you know, or a techno-feudalism, he calls it. Anyway, they carry on. Listen to this for a bit of rhetoric. 
Yes, yes, of course. We can't do it because of the 53rd EU directive on not doing stuff. <laughs> and there's also the question of human rights. And anyway, we might end up with all kinds of coke town beastliness and children being sent down the mines. And well, anything might happen. It's impossible to predict. Yes, yes, we know all that. That is their kind of... This, this is the taxpayers' alliance. Yeah. Uh, just like yeah. sweeping objections under, under yep. the carpet. Yeah, yeah. Coke Town, if people don't know, is the, the, the horrible dystopian Victorian northern industrial city described in uh, Charles Dickens's Hard Times, which actually you should read. It's a wonderful book. Pretty sure you read it in an afternoon. And, uh, you know... They obviously love that book. <laughs> well, it's, it, you know, they're, they're kind of... You know, they're, they're, they're attempting to sort of preempt the, the, the standard objections to, to what they're proposing, you know, mm. to the kind of, like, gladiatorial capitalism that they're proposing. So that's what, that's what, it, that's what it all uh, is meant to be. Anyway, they like to, um, they like to finish off. Have you ever been to Hall? Do you honestly think faster trains and better broadband are the answer? <laughs> and that's how they ended it. You know, but I mean, wow. I, I, mean the atti- I, I love it because of how it exposes the attitude to ordinary people as, as disposable things. Mm. Number one, we need to understand that. This is how you are understood. If you are tempted to in, in, into any kind of Stockholm syndrome, thinking, oh, well, it, it, yeah, yeah, capitalism is best because I trickle down completely discredited B um, you know freedom completely discredited when you're working your 14 hour day in in Derby City Stroke I don't know Nissan um, Inc <laughs> Super City you know where's your I, where's your sovereignty my sovereignty right B Where's your freedom? 12 hours of the day, you're the boss's bitch. Just get your head around the fact that as far as, as far as the oligarchs are concerned, you are just a piece of disposable shit. And these are the important lessons to draw out of these, these plans, you know, and then to figure out how to stop them. And I would say the, the contradictions do need to be highlighted remorselessly, because those are the cracks that we can get in, at least ideologically and rhetorically and in terms of our own propaganda. We insert something into those cracks and then prize them open. So here's another contradiction for you. Brexit. What was the big issue for Brexit for, 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 for your, your Brexiteers? Obviously, this is, this is just a piece of propaganda on the part of the Reese Muggs, you know. You know, what was one of, one of the issues was sovereignty, but we're not sovereign because we've ceded some sovereignty through treaty to the EU, just as we've also done to NATO, just as we've also done to the World Trade Organization, incidentally. Every nation that wants a treaty cedes some sovereignty. There's probably one that hasn't, and that's North Korea, and it's probably only ceded a little tiny bit. Every nation cedes some sovereignty. Even the US has to cede some sovereignty even though it is, it is ultimately the boss because of its military and the dollar and all the rest of it. Obviously in a situation in which that is all fading away now. Slowly, but very surely. Sovereignty. And yet, all these people that have banged the drum for sovereignty are now saying, we will give away the sovereignty of Derby and Leicester and Hull and Harwich and Dagenham. We'll just give it away to 
Well, what, to another... No, to a corporation. To a fucking corporation. And, and they crap on about sovereignty. Well, we, we know from that contradiction that all of their claims about sovereignty were just pure propaganda. That was just the, the, the ideological propaganda that was used to persuade voters to give this, to give this horrible thing a mandate. But of course, the Brexit, the Brexit that we got, that we voted on, we were told, even by Farage, even by, I don't know, Boris Johnson, certainly, you'll have your single market and you'll have, you'll have your customs union and, and, and there will still be environmental protections. We'll make them even stronger. And workers' protections, you know, won't be forced to work a 24-hour day. We end up then, after the referendum has gone through, with an ideological battle within the Tories, which saw all the, you know, the, this, this, this flurry of general elections, you know, um, my, my losing a majority, Johnson getting ousted, all of this drama is and the internal squabble within the Tories, in which the ERG, the European Research Group, of hard Brexiteers are pushing for the hardest Brexit they can get. In other words, the minimal amount of, uh, of regulation any kind of remnants of EU regulation, of working time, rights to unionise. Any social, rights, any rights. Social security, any yeah. rights. Well, well, of course, yeah. Dominic Rabb, who is the Deputy Prime Minister, has gone on record and could be seen on YouTube saying, I do not believe in human rights. Yeah. Why doesn't he believe in human rights? Because he's promoting this mm. feudalism in which you, are, you will be a serf. Well, you already are a serf, to be honest with you, but you really will be a fucking serf, you know? So, this is very, very important, I think, and we need to figure out just quite how far they're going and, and how it will be stopped. And why isn't... Why is anyone talking about it? Why isn't Keir Starmer and Angela Rainey stand, standing up at the dispatch box and getting absolutely fucking foaming at the mouth about this nonsense? Yeah. On the plus side, then you know, you see what happened in Honduras. Then I think they'll be very, very hard pressed, especially if 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 the the rise in organised labour and in the organising of labour in this country and in America, very important that it happens in America, and it is happening. It's happening at pace. That that doesn't falter. If that doesn't falter, there is already an, there is already an opposition to, to anything like this happening. It would seem that conditions are very ripe in America for this to happen there. Yeah. Do you think that's well, the plan there as well? They have basically got corporate cities in, in America already, you know, they're called company towns, you know. This, it's, there's always been company towns everywhere. We had company towns here, you know. It's but on, on the scale of this, this charter city... Uh, that, oh, idea, that, yeah, yeah. Where they yeah. run the healthcare and the education yeah. and the, yeah. Uh, yeah. the yeah. laws and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're further on than, than any of us with, with the, this kind of project. They might not call it this, and I haven't heard anything that specific, but I know there are already company towns. And I, I don't know, I suppose the only point I want to reiterate, that all of this is existing within a nexus, what I call the right international, of connections... Or, or, and of networking between all kinds of people. And the key figure is Matthew Elliott, uh, who, uh, who um, founded Taxpayers Alliance, and we've just heard their words. You can see where they're coming from. I mean, this, this guy, uh, he, was, he was the chief executive of Vote Leave. He's also um, a founder of the Eurosceptic think tank Business for Britain. 
He was, he was uh, I think he was a founder of Conservative Friends of Russia. And he was also, uh, I think he was a founder of Big Brother Watcher, which is something that's concerned with civil liberties. And yet, civil liberties, and yet, where you're going to have no civil liberties. As a worker in one of these cities, you will have no civil liberties to speak of. But the guy, this is one of the contradictions that we need, we need to prize open. They claim to be libertarians. In other words, people who believe it, that, you know, one of the main principles of human life is that people should have liberty. Who's going to disagree? We all want to do what we want to do. I certainly do. I very strongly resent people interfering with my, my, my ability to do what I want to do, as long as I don't hurt anybody else. I'm prepared. I'm very, very happy for that caveat on my individual liberty. But these guys, it actually means the liberty of their class most, most of their high-sounding and high-faluting and high-theory utterances are for the consumption of their class, of their clique, of their, of their global network of right-wing arseholes. They're not universally applicable, which is why pretty well every uh, price fighter for this way of viewing the world promotes the removal of human rights and human rights legislation including many of our prominent Tories, most, most uh, notably Dominic Raab, Raab, who's like a Randian, you know. But all of the, it's all connected, you know, it's all, it's, it's all connected. And it's worth, think... Matthew Elliott is a good person to follow for getting the connection, but he's not the only one. OK, then, so I think that's probably enough doom and gloom for now. <laughs> it's a lot to take in, and I know it sounds like we're just talking about a movie script here or like something that is some dystopian fiction but uh, unfortunately no it isn't it is actually real whether or not they'll ever pull it off uh, I don't know uh, but in the the next one we want to talk about how they are going to try and pull it off so how they're going to try and sell this idea to us and between now and the next time that we that we when we do part two of this, we're going to look more closely at how what the media are doing and how they're laying the groundwork for this idea to be palatable to us in the future. So it will start off with little nudges, just little nudges, like a sentence dropped here and there, which will just make you think. If you know about all this stuff, you'll go, ah, that's why that that's why that is in there or a particular image or a talking about poverty in another country and the way they'll be describing it and where they perhaps will be describing the uh, the solution now just be just little hints here and there of them just laying the foundation to sell us the charter cities idea so we'll talk about that next time and also next time we want to talk about is there any hope for the the public to actually see through this and push back i think there is and i, I think it seems already that uh, there's a lot of pushback with all the strikes and everything that are going on uh, people are not thrilled about the idea of living in poverty already before this uh, <laughs> shit hits the fan mm. so hopefully there there, there is uh, there is some <laughs> so so hopefully there will be enough pushback so 
this will never really get off the ground properly. Slim height perhaps, but worth talking about. And then also we need to look at how far along this project really is. And um, this has been difficult to find out, but in the the article that I was quoting from right at the start by uh, Cormac Lawson, he was saying that the bidding for the cities yeah. is happening at the moment and yeah. the, the bidding will be closing in uh, February. Yeah. So it is it is happening now. Yeah. I mean, soon I talked it up in, in uh, uh, as I mentioned, you know, describing Paul Rama as brilliant and inspiring, etc. That was in a lecture that he gave in February 22. So it's not like 10 years ago. Like Obviously, the stuff from the Taxpayers Alliance is quite old, quite old, you know. But um, Sunak was, was shilling this in, in, as recently as February this year. Now, he may well be the Prime Minister in a couple of weeks' time. It might be Penny Mordaunt, maybe, who's also backs this idea. Liz Truss, who is the chosen idiot of Rhys Mogg, an absolute absolute proponent of the hardest Brexit possible. As an hedge fund manager, I suppose that is his obligation to his his, his fundees. And... uh, Nadine Doris, Mad Nads, also, you know, coming coming out saying, "Well, we support Truss." Now, Tr- Truss is a an opportunist. I mean, she was a she's been a Liberal Democrat, she's been a, she's been a, 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 a Remainer and then a Brexiter, but she's obviously done a deal with them that she will she will prosecute this. And I mean, looking at the rest of them, they probably would think this is a great idea as well. Certainly, what's her name, Kimmy Badnock or whatever she's called, would go for this. She's, she's in that sort of far-right camp Yeah. that that, that, uh, that would quite be quite happy with this. Yeah, so so I... we've, got to watch it, we've got to watch out. And, and, and Starmer and Angela Rani are not speaking against it, but as soon as Mick Lynch finds out about it, I can imagine he's not going to be thrilled. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and, yeah. and, and all the people that... that Perhaps their eyes are are opening a little bit now. Well, well, trouble is, if they open their eyes, there is a problem. If they open their eyes, they'll be woke. If they open their eyes, because when you <laughs> wake, is terrible. Apparently. When you wake up in the morning, your eyes open, and that makes you woke, doesn't it? Yeah. It's better to be dozy and asleep. Yeah. And there, there will be an enormous effort to keep everybody asleep. Yes, there will. Distractions. Yeah. Soap operas, royal bullshit. Maybe one of them's got to get knocked up for something to happen, you know. Even like the whole spectacle of Johnson, you know. He's done his wrecking ball thing and now they have to get rid of him. But I would uh, be be vigilant, be very vigilant. Well, one of the things that we're going to do with this, because we think this is uh, is so important, we're going to put a lot more effort into trying to get this this information into every... Every place where where they have a, a voice or where people will be listening to what they're saying. So all the uh, alternative sort of new channels that we follow, I'm going to try and put it in their comments section. Did you know about this as often as possible so that it starts becoming talked about? Because I actually haven't heard it, this talked no. about anywhere. Have you? It's it's kind of catching fire a little bit on... on um... Twitter. On Twitter, yeah. There's yeah. a few. There's a few people who really got the bit between their teeth on this. Yeah. 
Yeah. They tend they tend to be sort of well informed and sort of pretty general critics of neoliberalism anyway, you know, and the the you know, the main proponents. I mean the one guy, I know he's very tuned he's very one one guy who's always going on about this, he's very um, up to speed with like Buchanan's ideas, you know, and his his influence, you know. Yeah. All right, so yet again that's I think that's probably definitely enough for now and we will be seeing you next time with updates on all of this and we're going to link the article that I was reading from at the beginning in the description so you can have a read through that too and it really really is worth having a read through that and if you want to share that with as many people as you can that would be great not necessarily our podcast but um, the, the the idea the information and get it out there because when this idea starts to be sold to the public, people need to know what it really is, They're not just the story of what it is. Otherwise, we're, we're probably doomed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, then, everybody. I hope you're staying cool today on this, yeah. this baking hot day in, in Britain. And we'll yeah. speak to you again soon. Yes, and I, I will add one little tiny thing, is that most of the players in this uh, network... Who, who behind all this stuff? Uh, 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 climate deniers. <laughs> of course, of and, course they are. And uh, yeah. And and the funding is the same funding that's that's been used for forty years, i.e. the cokes and big oil, to discredit climate science. Even though their own scientists have told them as much, the oil industry's own scientists were talking about this ages and ages ago. And, uh, that's just a little something as you as you swelter uh, for you to bear in mind. Anyway, have a good apocalypse. <laughs> Speak to you soon. <laughs>